Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 5, I'm going to ask you to join me there. I've sincerely asked the Lord to help us in this familiar study to kind of kick a few pebbles loose perhaps that would bring something to our heart that would be rich for each and every one of us, not only collectively but individually as we go mining through the word of the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew 5 and 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so this evening I want to talk just a little bit about this word that is often misunderstood and ask God to help us uh, to just magnify its importance in our lives. Amen. You can be seated in the fear of the Lord. Matthew's gospel is the first of four gospels that we have as a collection in the New Testament. Matthew tells the whole story, the story of Jesus from his remarkable birth in Bethlehem all the way to his death and resurrection in Jerusalem. Matthew includes his baptism, his temptation, his preaching, his teaching in Galilee, and many of his parables about the kingdom of God as he just took powerful truths and brought them from the heavenlies right down to what I call the middle shelf where common people like myself can just reach out and get the truth of God's word. God doesn't want to hide anything from us. He certainly doesn't, and he'll put it where we can reach it if we just have a hunger and thirst. That's, that's the prerequisites that God has for us is to hunger and thirst. The gospel, is the, the gospel of Matthew is that bridge between, that serves as the bridge between the Old Testament and the New, and the New Testament. It takes care of 400 years of silence and darkness and brings us into the New Testament church into the dispensation of grace. Matthew shows us how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies and the, and the church's fulfillment of all the history of Israel and how God incrementally brought the church to birth in the New Testament. Matthew's gospel has multiple sections of teaching, not the least of which is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus Christ sends, I think, a very clear message to us all. Matthew seems to capture that in his closing words. And that clear message to the church is this. By example, Jesus sent his disciples to preach the gospel and then they themselves to make disciples of men and women wherever they went. And so the mission of the church has not changed at all. The complexion of society certainly has Time and circumstance has brought us a long, long way from the time of the inception of even the New Testament church to where we are today. But the truth of God's word still remains the same and it marches on, 
I believe that the truth of God's word is as clear today as, as it has ever been. And so we have our marching orders. And so with that said, let's examine the content of our next beatitude, and that is what we read, Matthew 5 and 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Again, the word blessed means happy. And so Jesus is now telling us that there is a happiness. And I want to be clear. I hope I've been clear every Wednesday night in talking about this. We're talking about happy. We're not talking about giddy and silly. We're talking about something deep down in our heart. There is a contentment that holds us. And so blessed or blessed or happy, content, fulfilled, whole or complete are those. And so Jesus is telling us that there is a that there is a wholeness or a completeness, perhaps a balance that comes into the life of a child of God that has, de- that has developed a meek and gentle spirit within themselves. Now, I use the word developed with great care and caution and with certainly a great deal of intention because not everyone has the characteristic of meekness from birth. Some do. Some children, some people are born, and that's just their nature. They're just mild-mannered. That doesn't mean they have no work to do. That doesn't mean that they're not going to have to work on themselves. But yet others are born outside of that realm and certainly in different areas and aspects of our lives. We all reach this challenge. Amen. But the battle is a battle that must be won. Can I say that again? This is a battle that must be won. We can't dance around this issue. We can't pretend that it is not a formidable mountain in front of us. We must deal with it. It's a battle that must be won. I think there are perhaps some misperceptions about the word meekness and what it really is. According to Strong's Concordance in this passage, the word means the word meek means mild or gentle or humble. That seems to be somewhat relative. Amen. These are good definitions and perhaps they are great definitions. But I think if we take that the word meek and we define it in the context of the Beatitudes, that it means that and so much more. And the reason I'm saying that and the reason I'm being specific is because I want us to go back just a little bit and let's review what we've talked about so far. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that doesn't mean financially poor, doesn't mean poor as we think about poor many times, but it means those that have come to the end of themselves or realize their own spiritual depletion without God. We can't do this without God. Amen. The next beatitude that we dealt with was last week. We talked about blessed are they that mourn. And again, this is not sorrow because of loss. This is not sorrow because of, of something that special to us that no longer is in our possession. But again, it is a sorrow because of a spiritual bankruptcy. And, and uh, last Wednesday night, I used the illustration of, of, uh, I, of um, so I know it's fresh on your mind, so you can just shout it out with me here. <laughs> the, the illustration of Isaiah, who stood in the presence of the Lord, and when he saw the doorpost begin to shake because of the praise, he recognized in himself a deficiency in himself. The power, the presence of God is trained, filled the temple, the doors, the, the posts of the doors begin to shake and he said what? Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He said, I am a man undone. This morning as I was considering this, 
uh, I, I, I thought of something this morning I wish I had said last Wednesday night, so since I have the microphone and a little bit of time, I'll say it now. <laughs> that I think it's more than irony that, that Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. That's pretty specific. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And then as we begin to read just a little bit further how that one of the seraphims or the angels came from the altar and picked up a coal from the altar and touched what? He touched Isaiah's lips. Amen. I believe that if we would confess before God the real area that we're dealing with, that God will send an angel to deal with that. But as long as we're general, God is God will just be general. But I want to get before the presence of the Lord. Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. I don't think it's incidental that an angel took a coal from the altar and touched his lips and said, well, let's just do something about that. Let's take care of that. And so tonight, if I, in the name of the Lord, the highest name above, above every other name, if I could tell you tonight that if you sense any deficiency in your life, why don't you confess that before the Lord in honesty and sincerity and let the Spirit of God minister to that need in particular? I know there are times that we have general needs, but there are times we have specific needs that we need to pray about that specifically. I really appreciate the, I think there, I have an appreciation for praying specific prayers. I know that we need the Lord to bless us, and I know we need the Lord to move, and I know we need all of these generalizations that, that uh, sometimes are applicable, but I, I'll tell you what, I appreciate I appreciate the fact that some that there are days that I know someone is calling my name and my situation and my circumstance before the Lord. There's nothing general about this. I need you to visit this address, Lord. I need you to visit this man today. I need you to help him in this regard. And so I believe that Isaiah is being honest and transparent before God brought to him, brought to him an absolute miracle in that very area of his life. Amen. So here is this meekness. Amen. That sorrow because of the deficiency. And so it only be, it would only be reasonable that meekness would follow this. There is a poor, there is a mourning, and now there is a meekness. And so there has been a recognition that is brought forth from that sorrow, that sorrow that now brings change in attitude and change in demeanor. Not just change for a moment, not just change in the heat of the moment, but change, real change, palatable change, something I believe is under construction here in this scripture. The Beatitudes build one upon another. And so we're not just reading this as though we were reading a novel, but we're placing brick and mortar in place. There's foundational substance to what we're dealing with. And so in, in doing so, when we place one upon another, it helps us to build our Christian character one block at a time. I've said so many times that our Wednesday night services are special to me because it is in this on this night and in this atmosphere where we're not just talking about it, preaching about it, and singing about it, but we're sitting down with our arms and open, our hearts open, our minds open, our Bibles open. I want to figure out how to play this out in my life every day. I want to live this. I don't want to just learn how to clap about it, weep at the right time, say amen at the right time, have all the, 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 the right responses, but I want to learn how to get this in my heart. Praise God. Praise God. 
You know, we don't ever know, and I don't. I, I, I hope you receive this, but I, we don't ever know when the complexion of our life can change and change and change drastically. We have the privilege. We're already counting on being here Sunday. We're already banking on being right back in this house on Sunday. But we never know when the complexion of our life can change and alter the course of our life. I want to know that I have this. I want to know that I have this carried deep down in my soul. Praise God. Amen. So I want us to get it one block at a time. Much like what we had discussed about the fruit of the Spirit, it is one attribute upon another. And so meekness defined is that Meekness defined perhaps is patience in the treatment of injuries. How, how patient are we when things are coming against us? Aristotle, the great philosopher, defined meekness as the place between two extremes. And then he said those extremes are intense anger and excessive indifference. Amen. It's a happy medium between too much anger and too little passion. It's that, it's that delicate place that I believe that the psalmist David mentioned in Psalms 26 and 12 when he said, my foot standeth in an even place. William Barclay suggested that this beatitude be translated as such. He said, blessed is the man who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. Oh, God, help us. Amen. There have been times I wasn't angry when I should have been. Times that I was when I shouldn't have been. And so it's neither meanness nor the surrender of our rights. And I think that's how some people define meekness. They think it is the stripping away of any voice, the stripping away of any backbone, the stripping away of any principle or foundation, and nothing could be further from the truth. It is the opposite of sudden anger. It is the opposite of harbored vengeance. Jesus insisted in his right in John 18 and 23 Amen. If you read this passage of scripture in context, you would understand what's being played out here. John 18, 23, Jesus answered him and said, if I have spoken evil, then bear witness of evil, of the evil. If I've said anything wrong, then tell me what it is. But if I've said anything well, then why are you hitting me? <laughs> and so here is a man who is not rolling over just because he has met some resistance in his life. Paul asserted his right in Acts 16 and 37. This is an interesting passage of scripture. When the magistrates decided after they had imprisoned Paul and Silas and beaten them and on and on and on, after the fact when they realized that they were probably outside or beyond the realm of reason, they decided that they would let them go. And here's what the gatekeeper said. The keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, I'm coming to verse 37. Hang on just a minute. I'm ahead of this. But he said, they came to, the magistrates came and said, I have sent to loose you and let you go. Now listen to these words very carefully. Now therefore depart and go in peace. <laughs> they just got the pulp beat out of them. Their eyes are swollen shut. No, their nose is a trick, blood trickling down. They're limping. Their ribs are broken. They realized we may have been a little bit out of line and so the magistrate sent me to tell you that you are free to go and go in peace. Paul didn't take that sitting down. Paul said unto them, they have beaten us open, openly uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison and now do they thrust us out privately? They beat us openly and now in the cover of night they want to usher us out 
and almost saying, God speed be with you. He said, nay, verily, but let them come themselves. Let them come themselves and fetch us out. Amen. And so the, 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 Paul was a very meek man, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there are times that we have the right to speak up. There are times that we have the right to defend ourselves, but we have to be very careful and very selective in this process. I'll promise you because our flesh is waiting to get involved on that party. And so we'll do whatever we want to do and then kind of do it in Jesus' name. You know what I'm talking about. And so we have to be very, very careful. And so before you think, I just gave you a loaded gun, just stay with me for a while because I'm fixing to take it back from you. So here's what we're to take away from this. Perhaps we can find a little more definition in 1 Peter 2.20. According to this, we are to practice meekness following the example of the Lord. And you know if we had to follow the Lord, it's fixing to get tough. Peter said, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But, but if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. And so Jesus Christ, this very model of meekness, Again, Simon Peter says in the 22nd verse, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. It was one of his characteristics. I am meek, Matthew eleven twenty nine. It was also a characteristic of Paul, this man who we found defending himself. No man endured more wrong and no man endured it more patiently than did the apostle Paul. Yet Jesus Christ and the apostle were not passionless. They were, they were men that were very passionate, but they were also very patient. Are you getting the picture? Amen. It's a very difficult and fine line. It's not that we can just speak out anything that crosses our mind anytime we get the notion to do it. Here are men who were examples of patient men, and they were passionate men, and yet they understood the value of letting the Spirit take control. They didn't press their rights through thick and thin, nor did they trample down the rights of other people around them just to secure their own. Meekness is that reception of injuries with the belief that God in his infinite wisdom and mercy and God in his own time will vindicate all of this. Amen. That's not something to hide behind, ladies and gentlemen. That is not a scripture that just makes the man cowardice in heart feel better about himself. That is a promise of the Lord that God will take care of this. God will take care of this. Romans 12 and 9, the Bible says, vengeance is his, he will repay. Amen. It's not becoming, nor is it right for us to step in the place of God and do what God said he would do. Amen. I I, uh, I, I kind of stumbled into a little scenario the other day. I was in a store, and and uh, while I was I was waiting in line, there was a gentleman in front of me, and and uh, the man from behind the counter, the clerk, had stepped out. And so while we were standing there just talking, the, the gentleman in front of me said something about that the man had gone to get him a product that would kill spiders. And so I said, well, you know, I've always heard that you couldn't really kill spiders like that, just as far as. To, to treat them with a, as pest control and things of like that and without just spraying black flag right on them. That's not what I'm talking about, that. <laughs> a hairspray and a lighter, that, that'll kill them. That's not what I'm talking about. And so he said, uh, 
He said, you know, that's what I've always heard. He said, but this gentleman here says he has something that'll, that'll take care of that. And so in a few minutes he walked in. Well, I was just kind of caught up in the moment. And I said, this gentleman here says that you've got a product that'll, that'll kill spiders. Is that true? He said, if it wasn't true, I wouldn't have said it. <laughs> Took a pretty big towel to wipe all that off my face. And so here... It, <laughs> I'll share it with you, D. Amen. I, I have some in my truck. And so it's not becoming. It's not becoming, nor is it right for us to step in the place. If God said he will take care of it, if God says he has something, then who are we to step to the counter and say, but is this true? Are you sure? Do you think you can handle this? God said, I will take care of this. And so that means that I have to unleash the sword. I have to set it down and say, well, you know what? I'm just gonna have to let the Lord take care of this. And so what is our response when someone wrongs us or offends us? Many times we fight back or get even. That gratifies the flesh. That satisfies us here and now. We may wait for the right opportunity. And and have you ever wondered why God doesn't just take care of the people that do you wrong? He said he loves us. Right? Why doesn't God just snuff them out? It's all right to be honest. You can be honest and still be spiritual. Ron Wolford, the former president of Texas Bible College, seems to answer this question pretty succinctly. He said, there is a legal term in our society called double jeopardy. It means if a person has been punished for a crime one time, or if he has been charged and, and, and found not guilty, he cannot be charged or punished again for the same crime. That would place him in double jeopardy. So Brother Wolford goes on to say this, there is also a law of double jeopardy in the kingdom of God. So if we condemn and persecute someone who has done us wrong, then it's foolish to think that God is gonna step in and repunish them again and take care of it again because it is devil jeopardy in the spiritual realm. Amen. God's not going to take care of something if we're going to try to take care of it. He's not, he doesn't play that game. He doesn't, he doesn't play well when it comes to things like that. And so we have to remember that God will vindicate everything in our lives. Amen. And so the one with a speak, my meek spirit will allow God to handle those situations. So if we're being honest about this, why would someone assume this position? I think it's much, much better to let the Lord fight the battles than for me to even interfere with it. God, you know what you're doing and there'll probably be way less damage if you take care of this. Amen. So let's go back and follow the progression. The first beatitude was the recognition of an existing condition. The second beatitude was the expression of God about that condition. Amen. There was the recognition of Isaiah I've got a deficiency in my life. Then there was the expression, I am a man of unclean lips. Woe is me. Amen. The third one is an expression to our fellow mankind of that same condition to share with one another. This expression happens because of the comfort that we receive when we mourn over our spiritual condition. So when tenderness has been extended to you, it's only right to offer the same. Amen. If you have received mercy, then we ought to extend mercy. The more mercy we've received, the more merciful we ought to be. Amen. If, if it were not for God, I received a very, very troubling phone call this afternoon. Nothing to do with us, our church, or perhaps anyone most of you would even know. 
But I've been grieved in my spirit about that ever since this phone call. And, and as we were sitting on, as we were talking on the phone, my friend said, you know, at, at times like this, it just reminds me, but for the grace of God. I mean, this could be me. This could be you. And so we realize in our frailty and in our fragile nature called human flesh that we need the Spirit of God and we need mercy. And I'm going to tell you today, I don't know of anybody that doesn't need mercy. They, you may, in your opinion, not think that they deserve mercy, but they need mercy. They need mercy. I shared this with you, I'm sure, before, somewhere along the line, but many, many years ago while visiting someone in prison, there was a very, very large man, a very muscular man that was an inmate there, and, and on his arm was the words tattooed in large, bold letters, forgive me, forgive me. I thought, my, 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 what a plight. I have no idea what this man's story is. I know no idea why he would even be there. And there are probably many people on the other side of the fence that think he deserves no forgiveness, but forgive me was a plea. Everybody wants mercy. So in truth, it becomes incredibly arrogant in one sense to react wrongly or to react without mercy. It's actually saying that you're better than the individual that you're critical of because in truth, that's what it is. But all of us could be in any particular place in any station in life. We could all find ourselves there. And so this practice of meekness, this is what Paul described in Titus 3, 1 through 7. Let's be mindful of several scriptures here. Put in them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Paul was trying to tell Titus, he was trying to, he was trying to school him in the idea that we have all been in these various places of our lives. And if we had not been there, we could have been there, but for the grace of God. God help us today. It was his grace that intercepted our lives. It was his grace that interceded. I am thankful for that grace. What a powerful passage. Amen. That's a passage right there that ought to stop us in our tracks. Amen. Before we pull back the bow or pull the trigger, amen, we ought to think about our motives and our actions. We ought to ask ourselves, why? Why? Jesus himself portrayed and exemplified meekness. In Matthew eleven twenty nine. he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 1, it lets us know that the apostle Paul began a plea to the church at Corinth by saying this, by meekness and the gentleness of Christ. In 1 Peter 3 and 4, Peter instructs us that true adorning is that of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God, he said, is of great price. You see, here is the bottom line. Meekness produces, produces peace. Amen. Meekness produces peace. 
I'm not just talking about external peace, but I'm talking about peace in our heart. Peace, deep peace, deep-seated peace. A.W. Tozier once wrote, the meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being fooled about himself. He accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows that he is weak and helpless as God declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That is his motto. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. And so the reward of meekness is this. The Bible says they shall inherit the earth. Now, lest you just read that too quickly and go skipping on by, very simply what the Lord was referring to here was in type the land of Canaan. Spiritually, he was referring to the kingdom of God on earth. Remember, the kingdom of God has two aspects. The kingdom of God has a present tense and a future tense. The future... We know about the future because it's in the, in the script and we talk about it often. We sing about it. The future holds for us streets of gold, gates of pearl, walls of jasper, tree of life, a crystal sea, a mansion, eternity in his presence. Things that are so unorthodox in our own mind, it's hard for us to untangle them the lion laying down by the lamb. No need of the sun or moon because he indeed alone is the light. No sickness, no disease, no pain, no peril, no death, no sorrow. We can't imagine that, really, not exhaustively imagine that, but that is the future. We hold to that. We reach to that. That was part of what Paul was pressing for. What a place. But what gets us is what about now? I know what we're reaching for, the kingdom of God in the future. But what about the present? We have a much more clear understanding, unfortunately, of the future than we do the here and now. And it's the here and now that we struggle with. But here is the promise for the present. To those who have progressed in their recognition of their own condition, to those that are practicing a meek and gentle spirit, they are experiencing the kingdom of God here and now. Not streets of gold, gates of pearl in that sense. But to be more specific, here's what we are enjoying. We're in, enjoying the relief that came to us when we repented of our sins. Praise God. I hope that hasn't been so long removed from your life that you forgot what that means to you. We need to do that every day. Amen, every day, but the relief of repentance. Amen, here is the kingdom of God to us in the present, the cleansing of water baptism. Amen, we're gonna have a baptism service in just a few moments. That's gonna be very, very significant for Susanna and Nikki, but you know what it ought to do? It ought to bring you and I right back to that same moment and that place in time where I came up out of the water and my sins have been remitted and washed by, we've got the kingdom, a part of the kingdom right here on this earth. The joy of the Holy Ghost, my wife and I, 
we're talking about something today and while we were talking about that I said my Lord I feel the Holy Ghost amen I'm enjoying part of the kingdom right here on the earth I don't think I was the only one that felt the Holy Ghost today. I'm gonna tell you another part of the kingdom that we're enjoying here and now is peace that passes all understanding. That's not just a few words journaled down in a book we call the Bible, but that's a promise that we have reached out and pulled into our life. Peace that I can't even wrap my own mind around. Peace. Amen, having all of our needs met. The Bible says, according to his riches and glory, and so there's no mountain too high. Having a high priest that that can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities. I can pray to God and talk to him about the most minuscule thing in my life, and he gets it. He understands. He's not patting me on the head, hoping I'll hush and run all along. He's not just trying to give me something to just bring me solace for a second and then get me out of his presence, but he understands that what troubles me, troubles him. He cares, and so what bothers me bothers him. Hallelujah. Amen. They live. We live every day with a blessed hope of the soon appearing of the Lord. Is this the day? Is this going to be the day that Jesus Christ comes? That's the hope that we have. Amen. I'm going to tell you, my hope is not in the world's economy, the U.S. economy. My hope is not even in, I have concern, but my hope is not even in the next leader of our nation. That's not where my hope lies. My hope is not in Tallahassee. It's not in Washington. I know that affects us here and now, but my hope is so far beyond all of that. It really doesn't matter what happens there, not at the end of the day, because God, God is gonna take care of us. Amen. Can we stand together and if our musicians would come? The meek are those who quietly submit themselves to his word. The meek are those who follow his directions. They comply with his design. The meek are those who, according to Titus 3 and 2, speak evil of no man. I read that just a moment ago. They're not brawlers, but they're gentle. They're showing kindness, meekness to all men. The meek are those who can bear provocation without being inflamed by it. Amen. Can I say that another way? Somebody can poke you. And it doesn't change your spirit. It affects us who we are because we're human beings. But I'm gonna let God take care of that. There are a number of ways to handle conflict. Either silence or a soft. The Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. The meek are those who can show their displeasure when there's an occasion for it, but they can do it without being rude. They can just be themselves and let the Spirit of God speak. The meek are those who can be cool when everybody else is hot. The meek are those who in their patience keep possession of their own souls when they can scarcely scarcely keep possession of anything else, but God has given them help because they yielded themselves to a meek and an humble spirit. The meek are those who are rarely and not easily provoked. As a matter of fact, the meek are those who would rather forgive 20 injuries than revenge one. In other words, the weak are those who have rule over their own spirit. I'm gonna ask you something tonight, and I'm not trying to be humorous, not at all, 
But have you met people that have no control over their own spirit? People out of control, out of control. But the Bible says that the meek shall inherit the earth. Psalms 37 and 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. It's worth it. It's worth the investment because the payback is peace in our heart. Isaiah 29 and 9 says in part, the meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. And so I would say tonight, go ahead and settle your own score, but when you do, you will lose possession and the power of peace. Go ahead and speak your mind. Go ahead and go ahead with your sword, pull it out and take care of business. But when you do, you release the power of peace in your life from being at work. God, help us today. I'm gonna to tell you what will mean more at the end of the day than anything is for us to be able to say that peace, peace, that wonderful peace that touches our heart, that touches the fabric of our lives, that's really real, not just something that we talk about and wistfully hope for, but it is something true, it's something real. I'm thankful for the peace of God. The scripture says it passes all understanding. Amen. Would you magnify the Lord with us in this song? Amen. Can we pray? Can we talk to the Lord? Would you let God give birth to something in your life right now? In the name of Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.